Hello everybody and welcome back to MarTech Masters. I'm here today with an old friend, not old, but friend that we go way, way back. Nick Saul, VP of Services at Media Junction, but many people know him from many other things. We'll talk a little bit about that. How are you doing, Nick? Very good, Gabe. Thanks so much for having me on here uh, with your show. I, ever since I saw the first couple episodes and the awesome leaders uh, that you were interviewing, I said, I want to, I got to be on that show. man. <laughs> no, uh, this is great. Thank you for doing this for, for, for MarTech Masters. And again, yeah. t tell us a little bit more about you. Tell us who you are so everybody knows. Probably everybody watching knows who you are, oh, but let's let's tell them a little bit of the story and where you come from and where you're going and all that stuff. Yeah, I, I would. Yeah, I, I wouldn't know if everybody would, but people like Gabriel know me because for the last ten years or so, I've been involved either as a as a customer of HubSpot Inc. the company, an employee uh, for four and a half years, and then or or working uh, at one of their top leading. Uh, agency solution partners out here in their channel. So I've been eat, sleeping, and breathing the inbound marketing movement powered on HubSpot one way or another for the last decade. And uh, I've been fortunate enough to meet great leaders like Gabriel and uh, see the agencies like Nextity Marketing and, and a few that I've been able to work with as well grow through HubSpot's partner program. I was there at the very beginning when they started their channel program. Um, and and all the way through to where it is now with over 4,000 partners all around the world and uh, and tiers of success far beyond anything uh, that Brian Halligan and Darmesh, uh, the co-founders of HubSpot, ever envisioned when they when they originally greenlighted uh, that partner program. So I've seen HubSpot grow. I've seen their channel partner program grow to be one of the few channel partner programs to be uh, doing um, you know this level of volume of sales uh, that they've done. So they're one of, one of the top partner programs in SaaS in terms of its uh, revenue uh, projection. So I've seen a few things about that. And then as Gabriel alluded to, I've, I've been in the trenches for the last four years or so after, after I left HubSpot, working hand in hand with customers, doing digital inbound marketing, so I've seen a lot of things. That's awesome. And again, uh, I remember years ago, six, seven years ago when we started and we didn't know anything about, you know, HubSpot or inbound marketing. And you were you were there for agencies and you were you created the, the partner broadcast, which was an amazing, you know, yeah, great broadcast. webinar series. Oh, it was yeah. so cool. And uh, yeah. I, I can tell you that you, you gave us invaluable like advice and incredible um, I would say insights into what we had to do to take the agency from where it was to what it is today. And we follow that advice and it's uh, that whatever success we've been getting, it's, it's all based on, on, on a lot of your advice. So I want to thank really you again. That, Gabriel. Oh, it's, it's, it, it's a pleasure to have you here for many reasons, but, but I, I can assure you that a lot of your words have made a huge impact at, at next to me here for sure for sure well I'll, I'll pass the credit on to other great agencies that i helped learn and see people who are willing to go through the minefield first who learned a thing or two and i said i better tell other agencies like gabriel about that i better bring those people on so that uh people like gabriel and his team could hear their story and that's a lot of what i did at the partner broadcast so i'm psyched i'm psyched that you know some of the lessons i learned when i passed them on to you they were meaningful there gabriel that's My awesome pleasure. that's awesome and and one little one little uh story is that uh, Nick sent uh, boxes to people, to agencies. This was, again, six years ago as part yeah. of the Partner Broadcast, the 100 episode, I remember. And we got a box, an orange box, and it said, don't open until the 
the 100th episode. Of course, I open it right away because <laughs> yeah, I don't yeah, follow yeah. the rules at all. But who does? <laughs> it was like a, a bunch of swag and everything. It was, it was like this is great. Like, but how mm -hmm. did they do this for the thousands of agencies that are out there? I was asking myself mm -hmm. a question. We were a new agency. We were very involved in the partner broadcast, but we didn't felt we didn't feel special at all. And all of a sudden, I go into the episode, and and Nick says that they send it to three agencies. And that That's was right. that made me shake. I was at, literally shaking from excitement, from being and 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 feeling special about what we were doing. And that that again is something this 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 love fest needs to end, and we need to give people some value. Sure. But I want to say thank you again for that because it was. Well, awesome. watch the pivot on this one, Gabriel. <laughs> I think what I think what what that example you talked about was what it was like all the time working at HubSpot, which was here we are able to swing above our weight. And to, to, we were encouraged because we were just breaking new ground. Everything was experimental. I was one of the first 250 employees. I joined the firm in uh, 2011 and everything we were doing was experimental and new and we were reinventing things. And, and we were just around so many smart, creative, driven people uh, in the in the firm. It just brought the best out of me to the point where Gabriel's telling a story where I'm like on this live broadcast with 150 agencies from all around the world. What are we going to do? We're going to email people packages of our swag. They're going to open them all. There was a musical number I came up with that was in the in the webinar. Like I would never have had the guts to do that if it wasn't for the top down to the bottom. HubSpot just being this company that embraced get found, stand out, touch hearts, do the unconventional thing and see how you can have an outsized influence and try to you know create viral kind of moments uh, and leverage the leverage the technology of social media and these new mediums to create business growth and be a good example for our other customers and that was so much of what they taught us at HubSpot is, you know be your own best example and then the customers will want to follow suit, teach them what we were doing and how they could follow it. And that's hopefully what I'll share a little bit more with you today, Gabe. If yeah, you want. and keep consolidating these partnerships, right? They keep growing mm -hmm. and growing and growing. So mm -hmm. you, you saw it all from the from the inside. So what, what was it like to be there? Uh, you, you shared a little bit already, but what was it like to be there at HubSpot building the partner program and building these partnerships oh. with so many great partners? I remember, you know, I went to school in upstate New York and I was working at this IT consulting firm, like not knowing what I wanted to do. I was only a few years out of college and I, I, I had gone on a webinar with, and this was a couple years after the big recession had hit and Brian Halligan, guy I'd never heard of, was doing this webinar about how to embrace inbound as the new tactic to change the game in 2010, you know, doing really low fidelity slides and stuff. And it's just him on, you know, probably not even a microphone, just like into his laptop Mike and stuff like that, doing this webinar, talking about how inbound should work and how it was different from outbound and how p companies should transform and try different things and be more expressive and put their people on blog posts and stuff like that. And I'm like, this, this guy, this, this is the idea. This is the idea that his time has come. People were realizing people could make money on social media back then, you know? And I said, no, this company is so cool. And their CEO seems so just like forward thinking. This has got to be a West Coast company. There's just no way. Uh, you know, growing up, I'm from New England. You know, I knew that's where I was going to, you know, work. It's in and around that region. I can't work for this company. And then boom. Oh, my God. They're in Cambridge, Massachusetts. Oh, I have got to get in here. I would have swept the I would have started sweeping the floors at HubSpot if that was the only opening. But I applied 
I took the opening job, which was to be uh, the you know the kind of a frontline onboarding consultant. I was the first person that customers would meet after they just bought HubSpot. It's like they woke up from a hangover from our tremendous sales process, and they'd be like, "Ah, oh, what do I do, Nick?" The salesperson just talked about the inbound methodology and all this other stuff. Like, you're gonna help me with that, right? And I'm like, "Okay, here we go." And it would just be all sorts of different companies and things like that. So I helped people get on board with HubSpot, saw the company grow, um, and saw us go to, 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 to IPO, man. But what, long before that, I, I still was only a few months into the company, there was always new teams and new initiatives happening at HubSpot. Imagine a couple hundred people, venture-backed, millions of dollars. They had their, they had their <laughs> hands on the tail of a tiger, this whole inbound thing. There was no, I mean, you know, Gabriel, there's charts out there. There was hardly any competition at that time. Impossible. All the competition there, there was, was big enterprise stuff, Eloqua, Marketo you know, boring software with no good stories, super expensive, bad experience. not made for the little guy. Yeah. Bad experience. Yeah. So we were just killing it. You know, the, the fact that SMBs could, could buy an all in one software. And I'd ask them why I'd ask new customers said, why'd you buy HubSpot from us when you could have bought other things and other solutions and stuff this is when I was at HubSpot again, remember? And the customer would say, you were the ones who said that there'd be a person like you, Nick, on the other end of the line to help me do this and that was the biggest deal for most of these business owners was not who had the coolest features and who had the most automation or personalization that's great what business owners are wondering was who's going to actually drag me kicking and screaming into this future who's going to help get my team aligned and get them out of their old ways and knock their heads together and get us there and hubspot provided you know eight to ten hours a night across 90 days of coaching sessions basically with me and others at first first there was just a few dozen of us, and then there was hundreds of us. And an uh, opening came up after I was doing this. I was on the small business team, and then I, an opening is that they're going to start this partner program. Some enterprising guy, Pete Caputo, who <laughs> I know Gabriel could have a wry smile about that. You know, if, has Pete been on this program yet? Yes, of course. Oh, if Pete and John Bonini, both of them from Databots, yeah. I mean, and you know this, that we have Pete Caputo to thank for the shape oh, yeah. and the character of the HubSpot partner program because Pete was a scrappy entrepreneur type guy himself and what was happening was hubspot's original value prop was don't hire an agency don't hire a part these other you know marketing uh, ad ad firms or seo firms like we've got the tool we'll teach you the small business owner cut cut out these guys and stuff so when they but they were getting so hubspot was getting so popular with its blog and its how-to and its free resources all these agencies started hitting up hubspot saying can we resell for you can we partner with you? And HubSpot wasn't thinking about that back in, I don't know, 2009 when this started happening. But Pete sees, and these were like kind of dead leads to HubSpot. They were like, ah, agency, eh, agency. Oh, good. This guy makes, you know, moth repellent. Let's call that guy. That's the opportunity, you know? So these other agencies were like, I have clients that are asking about you, and I need to know more about you than they do. How do I get in on this? How can I refer, you know, uh, a business to you? Pete said, I'll call these people. And he took a chance as a sales rep and they started a, a, a startup within the startup, they called it. And he's he, people's agencies started signing up. They'd buy their own copy of HubSpot first. That helped kind of cover the overhead for us to service them and support them and treat them as customers. And then they, we taught them how to resell. Now, I wasn't involved yet at that point. I joined in 2011 and I hear about this team that's just started and they finally have sold enough agencies that they actually need some onboarding people like myself uh, who, are, who are willing to join. And I'm like, I'm at HubSpot. I can I can't do any wrong. I'm bulletproof over here. I'll join anything. I'll try anything. So I said, "Great. That sounds even better. Teach instead of just teaching one person how to do it, why don't I teach somebody how to teach 12 people how to do it?" 
Let's teach me how to build a business on it. That sounds, I'm an entrepreneurial guy. Let's, let's go on that route. And I'm telling you, Gabriel, you could fit the entire team around a conference table because that's where we would meet in the conference room. And it was like half dozen sales reps. And like my, the first service manager is Kate, Kate Farron. Now is she's Kate Walsh, tremendous leader, helped build the, you know, most of the uh, professional services team behind the partner program that you see today. Um, and it was like me and like one or two other people. And they, we, they just started tossing us partners and we, there was some material to kind of go off of, but this was a new program. So we, this was this, this was the mantra of our lives prior to IPO at HubSpot was just make it up, just make it up. You know, you got to go live, wing it, man. And we threw together the material. We started to formulate decks around not just how an individual user could report on data, but how a partner could report to a bunch of clients and build a process around that. Very exciting. We built curriculum. It got better and better. And then across the board at HubSpot, they started realizing we will not be able to scale to thousands and then tens of thousands of customers if we keep onesie twosieing this onboarding. You know, so originally it was just one call. So I'd be on the phone with five or six different agencies a day trying to get on board with the program, and that was about as many as I could handle. Not to mention all the follow-up emails and everything like that. So we started doing sort of one-to-many. Then we'd do kind of regular webinars in between the calls so people could come as a group to learn about how to generate leads, how to do email marketing, how to promote your services, how to report on the ROI. And then we were like, why are we doing this? Because this time doesn't this time zone doesn't work for HubSpot start expanding globally, even though we didn't have a global footprint. So there was times when I'd have to you'd have to volunteer to do this. They wouldn't force you, but you'd volunteer if you wanted to be a go-getter. I'll stay, I'll, I'll stay until eight or I'll take a call at 8, 8 p.m. alone to, to talk to the agency in Japan that we just signed up with this person in Australia. I'm like, who are these crazy people? Like nobody's even heard of HubSpot. This is 2011, 2012, you know? So, but that was fun. I mean, we were just taking chances. We were at the tip of the spear, man. Uh, and then HubSpot Academy came out, which was some enterprising people at, on, the, on the direct services team who said, why, why aren't we doing this at scale for all of the customers? Because we kind of started doing the webinars first in the partner program. The partner program had, was, had to be scrappy. Had, it was already very entrepreneurial. We were the startup within the startup. But there was kind of less rules for us. It was kind of if Pete, if Pete Caputo thought it was a good idea and it was going to generate revenue and good. we weren't going to churn, and it was, let's go. So Academy comes on. They start doing those webinars for all the customers at a much more professional level, more better resource. Not that we weren't trying to be unprofessional. They just had more resources, and we knew it. So I volunteered and said, hey, I'm looking for my next career progression. How about I take what we've learned and what we teach here at the partner program? I'll bring it to Academy, and we'll overhaul and revamp the partner certification. I can't claim that I started the partner certification or, frankly, even that I started the HubSpot partner broadcast. But in both of those areas, I tried to up the production value, take over you know, kind of an orphan child program or project and take it up a notch. And that's what I did. So uh, we redid the partner certification. I was on the HubSpot Academy team for a couple of years and uh, was great to basically come up with the curriculum. I had to create like a miniature on-demand little mini MBA, an inbound MBA for agencies to how to do what we do, but also how to staff up, right, Gabriel? You have these questions like, who do I hire next? What happens if we're successful? How do I, what do I charge? How do I commission sales reps? How do I do project management? These are big questions. So look at us now, right? Like thousands of agencies all across the world in every continent selling thousands and thousands of HubSpot accounts, but also helping so many companies and so many families and so many individuals grow uh, and create value. That, that has been from the get-go. The mission was, okay, uh, you're not going to sell HubSpot. We're going to sell 
inbound marketing. We're, we're going to sell growth. Uh, and then HubSpot is just the tool we use. And that has been the number one strategy and it's been working on and on because at the end of the day, we're not selling a tool. We're not selling something, a gimmick. We're selling growth for your company. And that's why the partner program continues to, to grow today to incredible places, of course. Yeah. Now, now you've seen, of course, so many inbound marketing, you know, tactics and strategies and, and, and success over the years. Uh, tell us more a little bit about that. Like what are the, 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 the top, uh, strategies that you've seen or, or the top plays with inbound? What are the main things that you've, you've captured in these 10 years that, that really worked for, of course, HubSpot helping agencies, but agencies and, and companies all around the world? Sure. I love this question. And I'm going to throw out a grab bag of, of things I've seen. And I know that they're not going to apply to every single audience member's situations, but I guarantee at least one of these ideas you could probably double down on. And let's not confuse awareness of some of these things I'm going to just describe with you actually applying it. So for the audience at home, when I rattle this stuff off, don't be like, well, I already know about that. I already know about that. Are you, are you mastering that? Have you completely beaten that tactic to death? Because if you haven't, you might want to revisit. So number one is it was, that was probably one of the best parts of being at HubSpot was to see some company dominate content marketing, inbound lead generation, demand gen, basically for the first time, like they just basically to dominate the industry with that. Like there were times when, and this is years ago now, they were like, we're, we generated 50,000 quality inbound leads last month. That's not 50,000 email addresses that they scraped somewhere, 50,000 callable sellable leads. And that was 2012 or something like that. And then it would just get higher and higher and higher. And I'm like, my God, how are we doing this? So a couple of the things. Number one is let's get back to the beginning of what good inbound it was and still can be today is they had a dedicated team to content. First, it started with everybody had to blog. And I've been at other agencies where that's been a requirement. And that is actually a great foundational way to begin is everybody on the company has to contribute content. Eventually, once you get your content off the ground a bit more, you can start to afford to either cross promote, like move somebody into this position, promote from within or, or finally hire from without somebody who can be like an editor in chief and like your full-time blogger and content manager. So that's exactly what happened at HubSpot as they went beyond their, went to their own maturity curve with inbound. So we should be thinking about that. If you don't have a full-time editor-in-chief, content manager, or something like that for your brand, um, or if you're an agency for your agency, I think that's your first milestone. They moved on from that to actually making a premium content team, people who made the offers, the eBooks now, that people would convert. Um, so having a full-time team just to do that, in addition to the bloggers, they'd, they had, they'd have full-time bloggers that are going to publish two blog posts a day, and they'd have two or three of those people working. Uh, I mean, that was, again, years ago. I can't imagine now. So that is, is crucial. And then uh, once you start to generate that amount of leads and momentum, then you can start doing co-marketing. Oh, wait, no, before I move there, sometimes those eBooks would start to build up, these PDFs, these downloadable PDFs, you'd have a bunch of them, and some of them would kind of age out. But this was a nice tactic is then they'd start giving them away as kits. So if the one ebook is no longer hot, it's been out for a year or two, it's this SEO ebook, then you can create an SEO greatest hits kit where you can get new life out of that content by offering all six of the ebooks together. It's almost like when you buy the Indiana Jones 
uh, combined uh, DVD thing, including like the, the the weird fifth one, whereas like with the Soviets and the aliens and stuff, you wouldn't have bought that one, but you see it all together. And you're like, I don't want to lose money on this. I'm gonna get it. So I, I remember that being called out as one of their tactics, as they said. We got new life out of these ebooks and got new uptick in the lead gen by just packaging them. After that, they had huge success. This is, I'm talking about step change above in terms of lead gen and reach by then taking that base of thousands of contacts and then you can start wheeling and dealing with the other SaaS players, other brands in and around your market, not even direct competitors. We start Then we start talking with Salesforce. We start talking with LinkedIn. We start talking with Facebook. And those people want to give you the time of day because you got 250,000, half a million contacts in this market. And, they, and, the, and these two companies at the time were not direct competitors. LinkedIn wasn't a direct competitor. So now we'd have an even cooler webinar. We do co-marketing. We'd say, come join this webinar all about how to dominate social media for businesses uh, sponsored by LinkedIn and HubSpot. That's a win-win. LinkedIn invited their list, which they'd already pounded to death anyways. And then we invited our list. We shared lists and then go up like that. So strategic partnerships and co-marketing as that next level phase is just huge. Um, the HubSpot Academy team in and of itself was a great lead generation lesson because what we started to realize was we could create longer form content than you ever could with an ebook. An ebook, you download it, maybe you read it, maybe you don't, uh, you're over it in an afternoon or something. It doesn't like jump out at you, you don't commune with it. When we created series of videos that people could watch that had a curriculum they had to take notes on and there would be, even be a little assessment that we made up you know, at the end, um, to answer some questions and then get a little digital badge that we made up because there was no regulation. There's no, there's no a certification for being an inbound marketer. We made up that term too. So, but when you could create a series of videos, people would spend hours with you and your employees to get a badge from you to put on their website. Who do you versus an ebook download lead? Who would you bet on if you're a sales rep? Who are you going to call first? This person is the super fan who gets who wants to get a badge from you guys to show off in the community how much they've learned from you. So when they actually did correlation methods, the, the inbound certification was the highest correlated lead to customer offer that HubSpot had ever created uh, to the point where I think it was 2014, 2015, uh, Brian Halligan was saying the, the, uh, the certification is the new ebook. And so that is why HubSpot Academy, this was just after I left in, at the end of 20, uh, uh, 2015, um, it, it, it became, it got absorbed into marketing, basically. And they started, how many certifications can we create now at this point? Um, so that was huge. If, you, if you, there is not a good certification in what you do in your industry, um, you need to be get on that. And what's a certification? I don't know. A few videos with some knowledge and and so at a quiz at the end with a badge. That's a good starting point, and then you can you can flesh it out from there. So that was a huge lesson learned. You already know about your living through it, Gabriel. Our partner channel mm -hmm. was an amazing oh, yeah. lead gen uh, channel because these partners were naturally incentivized to generate their own leads because they could get commission on the sales and the services that we taught them and stuff like that. So partners were generating leads. They could sell to companies and spend time with companies that HubSpot wouldn't even know existed. These companies wouldn't give HubSpot the time of day because we'd only just call you, let's do a webinar. Back then it was a you know, go-to meeting or whatever. Um, some of these other people, especially in foreign countries outside the United States, wanted to meet somebody. That's how they'd like to do business. You know, We still managed to sell into some foreign countries over the phone and over screen share and stuff. But a lot of those countries, we, we broke into Finland like that because we had 50 agencies on the ground ready to spread the word and have little town hall meetings and stuff like that. 
I remember looking at that going, oh my God, get partners involved, you know? And if there was a product launch, you've been a part of it, they would get all the partners to write their own blog. They created their own buzz, their own street team, a buzz thing to create their own articles um, about the product and then have them all launch it at the same time. So partner channel is enormous um, and because partners want to grow their brand. Uh, they want help marketing and you want them to spread the word and you want to influence people through a local face and a local voice. No, that's, um, a, that's amazing. And the question is, why did you leave HubSpot with so many amazing things happening and everything going on? Of course, I, I, I understand why, but tell us, tell us a little bit more about the, the reason yeah. why you left HubSpot and you went into the agency world. It's a great, it's a great question. And I'll bring up one actual last point that just popped back into my head. I think the, the apex of HubSpot's lead generation, and this is, I think the tip of the, the top of the top of the, of the pyramid, if you will, is to create a freemium app or whatever. It started at low tech with website grader and just kind of like web-based forms that were dressed up to look like tools and assessments. There's still a good, good tactic to do as a start, but then if you can create a freemium product, HubSpot, basically, it would just be like shooting fish in a barrel. If you get, got you into the free CRM, you're already signed up for HubSpot. You just weren't paying for it yet. you know. So that, to me, was the next generation of get them into a free app. That way, we own their entire experience. We can measure infinitely more than just somebody using a cookie on a web page or something like that. So let's not forget that part. Now, me, I've been there for four and a half years I was fortunate because I'm outgoing and entrepreneurial and I knew what we had, this rare opportunity that I volunteered and had done a ton of stuff. I mean, to this day, Gabriel, if anybody calls 888 HubSpot, the main number, it's still, I almost positive, my voice pre-recorded on the answering machine and goes, thank you for calling HubSpot. I just got to volunteer. I, was, I got into product videos. I got to speak. I got to be one of the first people to deliver the first ever inbound certification at inbound for like 300 people. I had just done all these things. And I thought to myself, you know, there's other young kids like me just coming into HubSpot now. And I've been here four and a half years. I feel like I've done everything here twice. I've had this tremendous opportunity. Also, was getting older, got married, was starting a family. I had to start thinking about more than just what's the next coolest thing that Nick can do here that he thinks would be cool, you know? Um, and I, but that, uh, but I wasn't, there's no way I was leaving inbound because I, nobody asked me to leave at HubSpot. I just was, I kept thinking, how can I do more? How can I break out of just being somebody in the services team too? Because I can sell, I, I can market. And I'd done bits of that indirectly through my job anyway. How can I get more hands-on? And I'd been working with all these partners. I'd seen folks like you and the growth and the, just the success stories. I'd bring them onto that, partner broadcast webinar and let people tell their story and see just how inspiring it was and how incredible it was to other people. I said, I want to be a part of that. I want to be in that adventure. I want to be out there in the field taking chances, not just advising people and giving them a tip or two and showing them a slide deck and saying, good luck, get on out there. I'm like, I want to be doing that inbound. I want to play with these awesome, like the product was actually getting pretty good. Like it was getting really powerful. It was always was okay, but it became really good and very powerful. And I wanted to do cool things with that. So I said, that's the third way. If I can join one of these awesome agency partners that might need a guy like me to take it up to the next level, I can stay with HubSpot, go deeper with HubSpot, and yet still kind of hit the reset button and work with a small, scrappy organization. And I still, to this day, Gabriel, think that there isn't the formula for how one can become incredibly successful as a channel partner for HubSpot or anyone else. 
So part of me wanted to kind of put on my Indiana Jones hat and be like, let's go find it. Let's go figure out what is somewhat of the formula for success so you can create a lasting business around this. So you, you've seen it from both ends. You've seen it from the software side and, and then you started seeing it from the agency side. What, what are the differences? What are the different models, mentalities? Like, you know, tell yeah. me more about the, the different ways to do things when you see inbound marketing from here and inbound marketing from there. Oh, my goodness, man. It, that was a little bit of a wake-up call because we were talking about what agencies should do from a software company. We're like, yeah, so we charge people by the month a standard rate, and they just pay us that whether they use the tools or not. Like, you guys should standardize your services and charge them a standard rate for some standardized services every month. You'll be able to scale. You know, you write the four blog posts every month and do one ebook a quarter and a few social posts in between there, and away we go. You've just stabilized your cash flow and stuff. And to be honest, that did work for a little while, but, but scale, uh, controlling expectations with – uh, clients, how to help uh, junior staff be able to go toe-to-toe with marketers and sometimes CMOs two or three times their age, two or three times their experience, controlling strong personalities, project management, all of those things we didn't always have to think about when we were trying to teach other agencies how to build something we'd never built, that they'd never built before. So it was surprising to me when I came out uh, to the first agency that I was working with and trying to turn them around. I just thought I can have the same types of team meetings, the same types of dynamics and, and organize and spend our time and focus in the areas that I focused on when I was at HubSpot Academy. But it turns out, actually, you're trading time for dollars, that we're a professional services business and every single person there is a resource. At HubSpot, there were servers running. We could be in a meeting talking about something. We could be on a retreat right now and HubSpot is still earning their dollars because their their software, which you paid for access to, is running. When I have a team in a meeting, we are not making it. As a matter of fact, we're throwing we're money out producing. the window. Yeah, exactly. We are not producing. <laughs> and another thing that blew my mind, Gabriel, um, until I really wrapped my head around it, was if I have told a client we're going to do X, Y, Z for them that month, and I basically planned a team member's capacity to do that thing and paid them as such, and that thing does not happen, and it's not our fault, but we don't get the client to change up the scope and pay us. Now, and this had happened, you get what I was calling a services hangover. It hangs over into the next month. We didn't contract that it should, and I didn't plan for it to. So now I have to take that staff member, and they're going to spend a little bit extra time. Oh, it starts, it starts like that. Oh, we'll just squeeze it in, and we'll, just, we'll, we'll catch up this month. Well, I also plan to be spending all the capacity I thought I'd have there, so now I actually have less capacity than I thought, so I sell a little bit less, and then we fall a little bit more behind. So those types of things, it was not because of any particular agency. That's just the dynamic of professional services is controlling scope, controlling expectations, and being able to expand and pivot because, as you know, in the agency world, we exist in the world after they get off the phone from HubSpot. After they get off the webinar, the rah-rah and stuff like that, we have to do the real work, the real building. And if the, the boards have to line up of the house, the nails got to go in, the lights have to turn on. And if they don't, they're going to talk to you. Yeah. about it right and so expectations I think expectations are so important i, I love yes. that you mentioned that because a lot of agencies go go their ways with like all the positive stuff and all the great stuff that needs to happen but expectations is are, are one of the most important things to to take care of because that's gonna carry on and it's gonna make or break your relationship and, yes. and build a partnership or not so yes. uh I, in the beginning all agencies are, yeah, we're going to generate all this success and 20% better and 100% better. And, and you throw out numbers that, that you think you can make happen. And uh, at the end of the day, 
we actually learned to set very low expectations and overachieve as much yeah. as possible because yeah. we know we can do this, but what if we can't do this? And what if something happens or there's a crisis in the middle or whatever, like they lose three customers or whatever it is. So uh, I believe that again, being the honesty and the expectations yes. in the beginning is crucial. And I believe yes. that we win not all deals, but the right deals because we set the expectations from the beginning, because we're super honest. And because when someone says, but I want to be on the first page of Google with that keyword or, and we're like, no, like that's not what we do. Like we don't focus on keywords. We're focusing on growth. We're focusing on, you know, intent if you want to go there. Right. But, yes. but we focus on the right things and we will see them grow day to day, week to week, month to month. We're not going to be like, yes, tomorrow, keyword, first page, thousands of visits, because if I tell you that tomorrow, you'll be disappointed. So well, uh, yes, and it's also a team effort. So I, I can't predict everything that the client is going to do. So I can't set expectations for them. Like, like that's a, that's a team effort. And so if I someone says yes to that, then the right, they're the right customer. And that's yes. also so important to work with the right people. The other day I saw a post that is like, do we only work with people with like, of course, life is too short. Are you kidding me? And also it better be the right fit, not just culturally and, you know, money and budget and all these things. But if someone doesn't understand the way this partnership is going to work, there is not going to be a partnership. That's right. And the, and I think the I think the the costs of having a bad customer or a bad client when you're a professional services firm just in general all the things being equal more expensive higher risk as a professional services firm than if you're in a software firm, you know what I mean? Cuz that uh, and the other thing I'll close for this chapter anyways uh, for the sake of time was I I think I've just kind of realized that there's two things that people buy from us, right, uh, Gabriel, which is one is the relationship management, the the strategy, the advisory. They want that. And sometimes we don't really scope for that. We kind of sometimes, yeah, and sometimes sometimes we just throw that in as a means to an end. Like we're like, oh, we'll do, the, we'll do all this work for you, and of course we'll be talking about strategy as we go, and that's just like a means to do this. But in fact, that should probably be something that is like baseline charge for. Like we're going to have this relationship. I'm going to stick with you all the way through your growth. And then there's another line item that is the scopes of work of projects where you need our help to get some of that stuff done that I'm advising you about, strategizing about and getting your team trained up and aligned on. A lot of time, when I, a lot of agencies I was with, those were two things in one package. And the client and the agency didn't really know how much of that pie was allocated to each. So they generally either got it too, too little or too much in either or both. You know, so I think a big takeaway for those of us who are agency partners listening is to think about, can you decouple the retainer of your relationship, your strategy, your I'm there to pick up the phone for you, like it or not, and I'm there to work out a bottleneck when you and your team can't move ahead with the plan, that does not mean the invoices stop. That just means maybe the project invoice, the, the project statement of work gets stalled out. But if you want me to be there to get it unstuck, that's again valuable. That's what people pay me for. We sh That invoice should still keep going no matter what. Yeah. Um, and, and access we've seen and service cost something. Of course. And we've seen agencies get lazy with the whole, yeah, we'll do eight blogs a month and we'll do three emails a month. Like you said it before. And, and it was, I remember we used to sell that. It was like a little formula and it was easy sure. to sell first of all. And it was yes. also something that everybody knew they needed the same way 
everybody started thinking they needed a website or SEO or now, you know, email marketing and things like that. Inbound became that thing that they all wanted and needed, but they didn't understand how it worked. So, um, as agencies, we started doing work, work, work. But as you said, the most important work is the strategy that makes all of those things actually create value. And, and then as an agency, you start realizing that the value is actually on the strategy, all the work and the world will not create success without the right strategy and without data driven decisions and without changing and pivoting and adapting to change, uh, when it happens. So, uh, so I, I, I love I, that you're, you're absolutely right. That. It's, it's that's actually, what we should be. That should be the first, that should be the most important product. Yeah. You know, most it. important service we provide. Everything else can be secondary. Yeah. Because if we don't have, if, if that's not primary, then we're going to eventually be order takers or they'll, they'll bring somebody in house or somebody else will undercut you. And then what do you have? That, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. That, that's awesome. Thank you for sharing yeah. that. And it, it, it hits home because I know, you know, so many agencies out there, if you're watching, you know exactly what we're talking about. And I yeah. love the idea of separating it. And we've been doing that a lot lately, which is like Good. faces, you know, this is phase one, phase two, phase three. And yeah, some things can be going at the same time, but without phase one, nothing can happen on, uh, from the phase two. You want Google ads? Perfect. How's your funnel working? You know, is your website converting? Is everything working the right way? Like, do you have a, a, a whole path for people at different levels that they can go through your website and actually self-serve and understand what you do and how you do it and convert and you have conversations? Oh no, then why would you send people to your website? <laughs> you know, right. don't You're send more people to your, send less people to your website, right? Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah. So that has happened lately, and it, it's been a huge change uh, for us. Yeah. Being if able you can to be in the driver's seat for that, then whenever you want, mm -hmm. you can offer the other service. Exactly. The other thing that let's you do, do more video. Let's do more whatever it is that we we can do for them. Definitely, yeah. definitely, definitely. So tell us more a little bit about what you're doing at Media Junction. Uh, and uh, again, Trish is a is a great friend of ours. So uh, yes, this is this is awesome that we're doing this. Yep. But tell me more about what you're doing there. Yeah, Trish Lassard, who's the president and the and the founder of uh, Media Junction, they're they're a now a HubSpot elite partner, and maybe we'll talk about that uh, before we wrap up. Um, they're based out of St. Paul, Minnesota, and how did I know them? I've known them for over nine years, and I got to meet Trish and a couple other key leaders at her agency who are still there, um, Kimberly Wilcox and Ryan Von Bergen. It was like a three person team in 2011. Uh, one of the first agencies I got assigned to when I joined this partner program I told you about at HubSpot. And uh, they were just like three people working out of a strip mall, you know, doing SEO. Small, they tell you the story. I mean, they do small SEO retainers and small websites and stuff and just trying to make it happen, you know. And uh, they had heard about HubSpot. And I got, I got to be their consultant. And I remember them coming on calls. And Trish was like, Nick, we have so much client work. I just didn't have time to do the homework and everything. I said, Trish, what would you tell me at the beginning? Is you said you wanted to get out of the smaller time stuff and you want to help people do big time transformational things like what we've been teaching about in HubSpot. And she's like, you're right. And I'll, I mean, she was, I onboarded over 150 agencies when I was doing that one-on-one -on -one, and she might've been 10 out of 10 that I remember as some people who really doubled down and made it happen. They could not be denied, you know? And that's, I think Trisha's mentality, part of why we went to elite is that she, she just wants to be the best. She wants to be able to prove that, 
we are as good as we can be. Yeah, we're small, but we're mighty, you know. We're scrappy, but we're professional, you know. And there's just that drive for credibility to be taken serious, which I think a lot of agency business owners like yourself, too, can appreciate. Just want to be recognized that we can be out here in the local business world and the small business world and make a huge impact, even if we're not out of Boston, out of San Francisco, whatever, making game-changing software, but we're helping people do it, you know. So anyhow, um, I'd known her for years. And she could have been one of the first agencies I would have called when I decided, hey, you know, HubSpot's been public for over a year. Things are getting becoming this big kind of corporation, which was the point. But who could who could I get scrappy with again? Um, I just didn't. I called a, a local Boston agency. But um, I the time was right uh, last year. So Trish, I mean, their agency had been diamond for a while. They wanted to step it up and um, was happy to, to join her. So I joined back in uh, November and I have been I wanted to be at the leadership team. I'd been involved, um, you know, as a salesperson because I wanted to try that out. And my last agency, Impact, another great uh, organization, saw them grow from 30-some-odd people to 60-some-odd people and triple their revenue. It was cool. It was really great. Um, and Trish obviously had similar ambitions to do it in her own way, in her own style, and um, so decided to join them. And I, st- I said I wanted to be on the leadership team this time and really just get involved in learning more about how to grow and scale these businesses that I had been first coached from afar and then been involved with in various shapes or forms. So I've helped with staffing and hiring. We meet about who we're going to hire, when we're going to hire, running the recruitment process, definitely still been involved with sales. Um, you know, cause that's just, if you're a business owner, you know, that's revenue is the air we breathe. So being involved with that, but then also as I sold coming start, and this is something we're doing literally right now, how can we innovate on the packages and stuff like that? You know, COVID-19 economic conditions have changed, buyer needs and preferences have changed. How can we, repackage, change up, bring new services to the fore, bring new partnerships, new software partnerships, new uh, best practices, you know, new uh, business methodology partnerships and stuff like that. So uh, basically leadership, staffing, sales, and strategic alliances um, and partnerships mostly. Uh, but it's it's fun because I'm just, again, a small business entrepreneurial type guy. I just love to have my hands in a few of those different things. And Trish and Kim and Ryan and Sean also on our leadership team, I've been, I've been fortunate. They trust me enough to let me be involved in those areas. And and the results are there. So you guys yes. turn elite, and yes. that is huge for any yeah. agency. There's not many uh, in the whole world. So yes. why, tell us a little bit more why that is important for people that don't know what elite means. Yes, great question, uh, uh, Gabriel. Not just because it allows me to talk a bit more about Media Junction, but because the program – um, was such that as we started back to HubSpot again, the partner program, as we started to scale up and, and have more partners, customers started shopping around. They said, well, how do I you know, get me? They'd be like, hey, HubSpot person. What's the I best know. one. Give me the best one, <laughs> right? Somebody who's really good. Uh, really good. I mean, that's, yeah, what do you mean? By, by what measure? So HubSpot had to come up with a way to reward. And I mean, because also if you're going to make a directory of partners, who do you put first? Who do you put last? You better believe the person who's at the bottom row is going to be complaining about not being at the top, you know? So how do you come up with a fair and just way to basically say these people are better partners than others? And HubSpot really only was in a position to recognize people who were great HubSpot partners. They can't be tastemakers as to who's the best marketer or something like that. There's plenty of award categories and stuff like that for that anyways in the industry. So they created a partner program. It started with, you know, silver, gold, platinum, and then silver, gold, platinum in the beginning. And then partners started hitting it. Because they wanted some, first of all, they just wanted to have a goal to shoot for. So why, why go elite? Because it was a new goal. It was a new goal for growth that had a meaningful 
finish line with some celebrations and recognition at it. First and foremost, that was a good reason for almost any partner. But also it could come with different privileges, access, uh, uh, um, ability to blog with HubSpot on their blog and things like that. So those were all good reasons to start moving up these tiers. And these tiers were based on how many companies have you brought on board to HubSpot? this year or whatever usually it's on a year basis and then how many of those come how how big are those how much of how much hubspot are you guys supporting because hubspot can measure this on a on a annual basis and those were ways that hubspot could say as far as a hubspot solutions partner these guys are platinum or gold or diamond and then also you know? usage right usage yes. rate is always important and i remember being being always like are we using all the apps for this customer? And like, I remember having boards at the office uh, and that's how we continue to grow that to be intentional about it. It's like, okay, if usage is important, we need to use the apps. Using the app means more success for the customer, means better usage of the app, more stickiness and all those things that at the end of the day, turn you into a great partner, right? So important to ground it in the, the successful metrics that mean success for the partnership, because especially in partner channels where the very energy behind the partnership is not fully based on economic, like money. No. It's based on recognition, relationships, like Pete Caputo and his team helped change the financial destiny of many struggling agencies. I mean, people weren't doing it just, people weren't becoming active partners and wanting to invest deeper in the partner program just because of the money involved, the commission from HubSpot, but it was for recognition from people who had already, you know, Pete Caputa and his program, the, the partnership program helped change the financial destiny for many of these agencies who invested in it and the recognition they got out of it and the leads that they got out of it and the training uh, that they got out of it and the tips and the connections they made with other agencies. That's the other thing. Partnerships is one of the most important things for us. Like be, being diamond or platinum or, or elite is very important, but that opens doors to more partnerships and better partnerships and doing things right. like what we're doing right now, which is mm -hmm. like, like talking like, like friends, but, but this partnership has been building for years and That's right. I'm doing this every day with amazing leaders all around the world. And only because we've been building those partnerships over the years. And now I talk to Pete, like he's my buddy, but I remember looking at Pete at inbound and being like, oh, that's Pete right there. Like, and, and now it's like, hey, Pete, what's up? Right. So right. It, I remember for years, our, our, our Wi-Fi password was we are diamond or things like that. Like always the goal in mind, always where, when are we going to get there? How are we going to get there? Right. I love it. Right. So media junction ended up becoming like, I think the fifth diamond partner ever, once they invented that category, because they were like, we want to be there. We want to be number one, whenever we can, we want to prove ourselves. And also to, uh, to your peers, like you said, you start to create connections with everybody and you just want to show that you're willing to keep up. You're willing to lead, you know, and you're willing to show that other agencies like you can do it. And I think that it's all, that it was all wrapped up in that. As soon as elite came out, we said, we got to be there. We've always been thought of ourselves and the, the, our, our small corner of the market has thought of us as leaders. And if there's a new level of leadership and achievement in the number of people you can bring on, the amount of services and the usage and stuff like that, like you said, which going back to an earlier point is an objective criteria. So it's not like these people are our favorites and these, you know, this is, Hey, anybody can be there. It's an objective criteria. There's no discrimination. Okay. And they tried to make it as fair as possible for people to get there. Uh, and that's, that's why we did it. We said, we want to be the best of the best and stay with the leaders. Let's 
Let's make some choices. Let's make a plan. And that's what we did. We made a sales plan. And we went back to old customers and said, what else can we do? Now's the right time for them to invest. We gave away services to make it worth a time for those people to, uh, to, to adopt. And it was in a small uh, amount of cases. But because we said, we want to make this happen and we will bring inbound to the people that we have to uh, to make it happen. And it's been awesome. And actually, it's helped, helped us, it's incentivized us to expose us to maybe some people we would not have contacted back because we said, who else can we get uh, to join us to upgrade and so on um, to, to try this? So it got us using products more than we ever could, got our customers using and upgrading and stretching. So it was just great to stretch. It's almost like, like going to the moon taught <laughs> the United States certain things along the way exactly. beyond just getting to the moon. So I think Elite was sort of our moonshot. That's experience. Awesome. So we're still living in it. It was only a few, a few weeks ago. It's almost like a blur <laughs> with everything going on. But no, we're super pumped. I appreciate you bringing it up. That's great. And 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 of course, I can't, um, I cannot go there and, and and think about doing all of this in the middle of a pandemic and in the middle of one of the biggest crises or the biggest crisis that most companies are going to have to go through and most people are going to have to go through yeah. in their lifetime. So. Yeah. What has changed because of the pandemic and and what are some of the changes that you've seen in businesses and the impact uh, and also some maybe opportunities because of the pandemic? What, what have you seen? Right. Out well, I will try not to repeat anything that people watching this have already been either living through or watching wrapped from various news sources and so on. Um, but obviously the pandemic hit all of us. You can't be in, a, you know, service, servicing other businesses and have something like this happen and not have some of those businesses circle the wagons, pull back, pause, or whatever, right? It happened to your firm. Oh, yeah. 30%. We lost 30% immediately like that. Yeah. And um, I don't know if that – I don't have the numbers, and I probably wouldn't talk about it if I of did. Of course. I, just, I mean, but I would say that there was there was a – I mean, I'll say as a salesperson, there were some people who just – it was it's, they stopped. You know, they're pausing the project, nothing personal, but our board is not approving any expenses or anything like that. There were others – this is the silver lining where who the, a great example is a corporate landscaping firm. They're still going to need to mow those lawns at those condo <laughs> units. I mean, unless we're now in the land of the walking dead and we're just going to let everything become overgrown. Like, no, no way. Their problem was not whether they're going to build a website to help interface better with their clients. Their problem is how he's going to get his guy's hands sanitized and stuff like that so they can do the work. So I, it's, a, it's a good reminder and a rallying cry to all of us is that there are more people living on earth this is a bizarre statement, and I don't know if this is exactly true. I guess my point of what I'm saying is the population, relatively speaking, is the same, if not maybe slightly bigger. Again, I'm not a statistician, and that is not to belittle any of the tragic uh, things that's happened uh, across the globe. But there are people who still need services through this uh, in a variety of things, medically, marketing-wise, and so on. And so I guess I've just seen, and maybe we're a little bit on the for more fortunate side, that those people are still calling us. I think the difference is, Gabriel, and you probably know this, is we have to be creative in what we can offer these people because they're in a different mindset than maybe they were with how they spend their money, types of contracts they yeah. want to do. How do I packages. take my event virtual? How do I run this a different way? How do I change my business from brick and mortar to online? Like things that we would have done or we may have done in the past, but now they're all accelerated and they have to happen right now. That's right. That's right. So I think uh, a big thanks to, you know, the federal government putting out the paycheck protection and some of those uh, coverages, which allowed us to kind of continue unabated. Yes, we lost some accounts. Yes, some people paused, but there were others who took their place who still needed things. And I hope that for other businesses, 
uh, that they're seeing that or they can remain open to that, that there, there, are, there are others who still need you and what you do. Um, but you may have to just obviously uh, change a little bit about how you go to market with that, how you're servicing that, and let people know you're not giving up. You're still here. Um, and that was a big thing we did too, is got the yeah. word out. And give people know, to, hope too. And uh, I, I believe that, uh, again, there, there is always an opportunity. And like you said, uh, the, the crisis is huge and people are dying out there. This is not uh, fun and games, of course. Uh, at the same time, life goes on and you have to keep you know, going at it. Uh, and the best way to do it is with a great attitude and creating more content and being more human and picking up the phone and trying to help people. If you do yeah. all of those things, especially during a crisis, but it works forever. Even if you're not during a crisis, all of those basic things that are core to great business uh, and being a nice human being, right, uh, are going to continue to help businesses grow and people will remember. That's the other. They will. They will. People and, you know, remember. the other thing that I'm sure you folks are doing um, is if you do have some spare time because you're not commuting, you know, I, luckily I was working remotely. That was another thing I was kind of looking for in my career transition out of HubSpot was just to get a little bit more closer to home and have that more flexible working environment, which wasn't available at that time, um, <clears throat> is, is to study, to prepare, to train, to sharpen the, uh, sharpen the sword, uh, crank the catapult. And I think agents, I mean, especially in our business, where we're a knowledge-based business, we're, we're, you know, a technology, cutting-edge technology implementation-style businesses, got to train, got to train, got to certify. So we made a contest. We started a Slack channel. Who's going to get certified next? Who's going to get certified first? We started going after reviews for customers. Who's going to get a review and stuff like that? So we just created little contests for people to keep themselves busy while there might have been a little bit extra breathing space mentally or, or time-wise. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. Hey, Nick, this has been amazing. As yeah. I said before, a pleasure to have you here on MarTech Masters. Uh, uh, and, and also, thank you for sharing all of this. You've shared pretty much the history of HubSpot and uh, and many other agencies that you've been with and, and, and how successful you can be when you do it right and when you yes. care and when you get better over time. And, and that has been your teachings from the get-go. So thank you. Thank you for all of that. Anything else you want to share? This is your time. We always give uh, you know freedom uh, to the guest. Anything else you want to share or, or talk about? Uh, hmm. You know... Uh, I think we did speak to it a little bit that, you know, as we go through this recession, and the uncertainty, like don't lose heart. There's, there's plenty of people out there that need you. They might need you more than ever. Um, and then, you know, I just love doing this. You know, I think I've, I've also had time to, to reflect. And I think the most fun I've had is being on programs like this, being able to present and speak to groups. So really, Gabriel, I'll just thank you for that chance again to spread my message. And if I got somebody excited a little bit to do something different, you know, that is probably the, 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 the spiritual food that I eat. If I get you ex educated and inspired to take action, that's fantastic. So, you know, any opportunity I can, if somebody's listening and you've got a podcast, you got a group who you think needs to hear about the, the message of inbound or how to build a partner channel for the first time or even, um, you know, how to do content marketing or, or how to put on a show like this. You know, I've been involved in and around uh, productions like this. It'd be an honor to talk to you about it. How about that, Gabriel? That's awesome, Nick. <laughs> that's a, that's a great call to action right there. Definitely. Yeah. Uh, thank you again for being here on MarTech Masters. It's been again, so nice to have you. And also thank you for sharing so much value for, with everybody. 
thanks, thanks, no, Nick, man. and uh, and let's keep rocking and rolling, man. Uh, keep 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 going at it. You're doing great. Absolutely, let's make it happen. Awesome, awesome. Take it easy and, and stay safe, okay? Yes. Thank Take you. care. Bye bye, everybody. Bye. This episode of Martech Masters was produced and edited by Nextiny Marketing. To watch the series, visit our website at nextinymarketing.com. Subscribe to our channel to keep up to date with the latest news from our friends and Martech Masters.